This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Hello, and welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Neimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, Jim Harris speaks about reimagining healthcare, and Asa Mathad speaks about how you can take a better photo. Now, let's join Moses as he welcomes Jim to the stage. So, next we have Jim Harris. Yes, Jim's an old pal. He's been on this stage once or twice before. And I'm thinking through how to introduce him properly. On the face of it, you might say he's a management consultant. Uh, I think he's more like a management shrink, more like a management motivational speaker. But you also specialize in scaring the hell out of us first. That's your modus operandi with what's coming down the pike. What have you got for us today? We're going to talk about uh, reimagining healthcare. We don't actually have healthcare. We have sickness care. We get sick, we go to the hospital, they try and figure out what's wrong with us and fix us. But I'd like to posit, why don't we reimagine healthcare? So this is the cost of uh, sequencing the human genome. The first human genome was $2.7 billion. The second was $400 million. In 2014, it broke 1,000. In 2021, it'll be 100. So imagine this. Imagine I go to a doctor, they sequence my genome, and then tell me what I might get in terms of a disease during my life. And not just my genome, my biome, in other words, my gut, and say, these are the medicines you might adversely react to. So if you do get sick, we know what your treatment plan should be. That's real health care. That's preventative. So how do we get to that? Part of this is being enabled by exponentially improving price performance. Uh, We all know Moore's Law. In 1970, a CPU uh, from Intel had 2,000 transistors on it, and today it's 23 billion transistors. And what that practically means is a gigaflop is a measure of compute speed. It's a billion transactions in a single second. And in 1961, a gigaflop cost $153 billion. And in 2018, it was two cents. And that's so 2018. (laughs) It's going down from there. And 
What that means is things are getting faster, cheaper, lighter, better, and it's not just about Moore's Law. There are 20 different exponentially price-performing technologies. We're going to talk about two other ones. One is drones, 100,000 for a drone, down to 700, now 200. And we'll talk about 3D printing, but what does that mean in a traffic jam in a city in gridlock We're now moving organs for human transplant by drone in a city rather than an ambulance. Not only is it cheaper, it's faster. I am very lucky. My parents spent thousands of dollars on this smile. (laughs) I came from a very privileged background. But this young man wasn't so fortunate. So he's in digital design. So what he did is he 3D modeled his teeth. He did a lot of research and he devised his own Invisalign, divided over 12 periods, so over 18 months, he will move his teeth back. He is 3D printing all his Invisaligns for 60 bucks. Might that change orthodontistry? Yes, no. Do we have our voting cards here today? We have a friend, his name's Joe, and Joe used to faint, and everyone, oh, Joe, you know, it's just Joe, he faints, you know, he he gets very emotional, that's just Joe. Well, one time Joe was in the hospital and he fainted, and they slapped an ECG on him, and it turned out his heart had stopped. All these years, his heart had been stopping, but had just been spontaneously restarting itself, thank God. So, needless to say, Joe now has a pacemaker, but... If we had had this, this is an ECG on your Apple Watch Series 4. In other words, we're moving to an era of continuous monitoring of medical health. I was at um, a conference the other day, I was using this example, and a guy came up to me and showed me, every two weeks I put this thing in my arm, he's a diabetic, and it gives me real-time monitoring on my smartphone in real-time what my glucose level is. 24 hours a day. Wow. So he can see, the reason I wake up kind of feeling weird at night is I dip below the, I go into the red zone in the middle of the night. This is an ophthalmology unit, $10,000. And MIT Labs, where Nicholas Negroponte co-founded it, this is a $2 accessory that goes on your smartphone to save millions of people's uh, eyesight in developing nations. Is this gonna change the way things work? So the American Medical Association says that um, 70% of doctor visits and 40% of emergency department visits can be eliminated simply by a telephone. Is that gonna change our medical system? Now I wanna give you this. We've been talking about AI. This is an AI called Babylon Health. You get to log on anytime and within a minute talk to a doctor. And the doctor uh, is interacting like Skype or Zoom, but has access to your medical records. And the AI is doing two things. One, it's looking at your face. You look confused. So the the AI's feeding to the doctor, this, the patient looks confused, so they spend more time on it. The patient looks worried. Oh, you seem to be worried. 
yeah, it sounds like a serious condition. The other thing the AI is doing is going through the thousands of decision trees that Alexander talked about. So I feel sick at my stomach. Is it the top of your stomach or the bottom? If I say the top, that eliminates a whole bunch of things and introduces a whole bunch of others so that I can actually accurately diagnose it remotely over Skype or Zoom, in essence, Skype or Zoom. It's here in Canada. It's called Babylon Health. TELUS has launched it in uh, BC. So it's uh, been an absolute delight to be here. Well then, thank you. Thank you. So Jim, you don't mind being monitored. You don't mind being followed. You don't mind being surveyed. Well, if you have uh, Waze or Google Maps, you are already being surveyed. I understand that. But somebody who has a heart condition like our friend Joe wants to be surveyed because he doesn't want to die. And the AIs can actually now say, we have seen some abnormalities in your heart rhythm, mm. and we anticipate from our AI, you will have a heart attack in five days. Would that not be better to know than, oh my God, my arm is <laughs> going numb, Let, get me to the hospital. So, the, so this new world, we will choose to opt in. And Joe has, you know, if I were Joe, I'd choose to opt in. Because I wanna be here for the longevity session for next year's discussion. But in that movie, Minority Report, the facial recognition identifies a thought that you may have in advance that does not please the people who run the state. It identifies a crime that you're contemplating and declares you guilty and arrests you in advance. Well, that's not in theory. That's right now in China with the social monitoring. If you jaywalk, um, the, they have 200 million cameras in China and they recognize uh, Moses just jaywalked and they give you a negative score. It's like a, a social credit score, like our financial credit. It's creepy. And if you get a low enough score, you're not allowed to travel in China, right? So there are these things already. Um, Any ideas about what is to be done? Keep the good stuff, keep out the bad stuff? Well, that's why we need to have ethical discussions around what to do about technology. You can't just say to the technologists, go do whatever you want. They'll do all sorts of things. But is that best for humanity, the planet, society? Maybe you can come back next year and tell us how to cope. That's <laughs> been seriously one of the abiding themes of this conference. How can we cope? I'd be delighted to. That's great, Jim. Thank you. Coming up after the break. Check your backgrounds. We call them party hats. If you happen to line up your kid in front of a bush and they have a green afro, that's your fault. Whatever is behind the object, you have to care about that just as much. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. Now, let's join Moses as he welcomes Asa Matha to the stage. 
I want to introduce you to Asa Matat. Asa. So Asa is a photographer of my recent acquaintance. He's been shooting people for, I don't know, 30 or 40 or 50 years. <laughs> he has made portraits with some of the most famous people on the planet. And uh, he convinced me, he offered that he would come here this conference and create portraits of all the speakers, really fine portraits of all the speakers. You can watch him work upstairs on the second floor. There's one other thing. Asa started a foundation to pursue an idea that reflects his own experience, and he wants to tell you something about it. Excellent, and and I'm going to give you some photo tips oh, on how to I look your best. That. In, no, that's all right. How to look your best in front of the camera and how to take some really good photos. So I'll go briefly on the pitch, so it doesn't sound like a pitch. I'm starting a um, a school called Camp Enlightenment. It's to help. Uh, homeless LGBTQ and foster kids, teaching them photography and cinematography based in San Francisco, uh, like on a horse ranch with a barn, some tiny homes around that, and using the best photographers in the world to do that. Uh, we fly to wherever they are, and then we fly back, and then the kids that I teach, that we just learned from the best in the world, teach 22 other kids. So it's kids teaching kids, that's it in a nutshell. You can find out more about that uh, at just, my name is ASA.foundation. That's the easiest way to look that up. Um, but since everyone's been sitting down, Everyone, do what you do what you normally would want to do, like check if this gets boring, then turn on your phone right now. I'm going to give you a few tips on how to take better photos, okay? So turn on your phones if you have them. Some of you are photographers in here, but you're going to, I'm going to give, I promise everyone in here is going to get a surprise that they won't know how to use on their phone. So the people that are like, that just want to take a better photo, immediately the first thing you want to do is look behind your subject. Check your backgrounds. We call them party hats. If you happen to line up your kid in front of a bush and they have a green afro, that's your fault. Whatever is behind the object, you have to care about that just as much. So subconsciously, you tend to do these kind of movements and you just don't know why. You're like, oh great, antlers, deer antlers, and that's like a telephone pole. Now, try to avoid that and try to put the person in front of you know, something that's a little less complicated. So that's number one, avoid the party hats. Um, the other thing is, if the reason I wanted you to turn on your phone is that Everyone know how to turn on the selfie button to flip the camera around? So I want you to learn about the wide-angle distortion. Anyone who's done a selfie knows better than to put themselves in the corner of that image, right? Right? Why? It's, it's distortion. You look really bad way out in the corners of that rectangle, putting yourself in the middle. Why don't I mention that? If anyone ever points a camera at you and says, hey, let's do a group shot, the first thing you want to do is run to the middle. <laughs> Because in the middle of a wide-angle lens, you're minus five pounds, and then as you graduate away from that, you're zero, plus five, plus ten. If it's a big group, you're out of here, 40 pounds. <laughs> you don't have a choice. This is the way it works. But how do you fix it if you care about those people? If you don't, just leave it alone. Just leave it. But if you do care about them, take once, once you get the people in the shot, take one whole step back, that area that you've left open, let's call that the, air, the, the area of distortion, you crop that out, right? So that'll fix that problem if you, if you want to fix that problem. And uh, let's see. So and always watch for party hats. If there's a group shot and you have two rows, grab the person in front of you relative to where the camera is and shift over a little bit, right? So you don't become a party hat to them, right? So that's, that's always useful. So um, this camera can possibly see my shadow on the ground. My head shadow is really important, why? If you guys are taking a picture of me, I would want to find my head shadow. Like, let's say the sun is out and you're taking pictures. Everyone always says, hey, hey, make the people look into the sun. Everyone knows what that face feels like, but now the cameras are good enough to you know, avoid some of that problem. So 
when you're getting your picture taken, look down for your head shadow. And if you see it, that means your hair and maybe your shoulders look good as soon as you see it. But if, if you're in the shade, no. So step out into the sun, let the sun hit you from behind, look for your head shadow. Great. When you're taking photos, everyone looks better. None of that is striking their face, especially if you're over oh, whatever age. And uh, all that texture goes away when you're being backlit, okay? So look for your head shadow. That's another great one. Um, the other one is to count out loud. In my experience, one, two, three, the buildup of that, it, uh, this crescendo kind of feeling, people tend to build up. So the trick is, I go one, two, three, and then I shoot on two. Because three somehow makes people blink. I don't know the word three. <laughs> but if you're on two, people are like, oh, this is going to be good, it's going to be good, and then you hit it, then, then you're good. Then, and just, just, just keep doing that, shoot on, shoot on, on two. All right, and if you're also lucky enough, if you're doing a group picture, sometimes there's the one phone to use, and then there's a couple more that are hanging around. Turn the flashlight on, their phones, holding it up, and then use the phone to capture, because the, like the, the deck of cards in your hands is filled with lights. Looks a lot better than the uh, flash coming out from the exact same angle. There is a little flash reduction, but this, if it's coming out from the same, it's not as good as changing the angle. That's why these are way up here, casting a shadow under here, as opposed to being right in my eyes. So, so you just look better, so hold up the flash if you can. My favorite thing to teach is panoramic, vertical panoramic. A lot of people know that when you turn, I'm gonna actually do this, and you can hang out here. Do, can everyone see the, my phone? Well, whenever, is it working? Oh, good. Okay, so a lot of you guys know you can tap that thing and it'll go either direction. So let's just do this. This is to demonstrate what for, for later. I'm gonna do the standard panoramic. See my thumb is out here? Look, if I go the other way, it stops. Why is that useful? Well, because the more you touch it, the more you're gonna get a wiggle. So, vertical panoramic, very interesting. So if you could come on behind me and watch this. Okay, you see? So I'm here looking at my palms, critical. If I look at the back of my hand, I can only go back so far. Turn my hand around, I'm holding the phone like this. You guys can all try it if you want to. So get in the panoramic mode, turn it on its side. The triggers down here, the two volume switches work just as well as this one. I tend to, after a lot of practice, have found either one of those volume switches work. So you can actually go straight down, you can go wherever you want, because it's gonna be a circle, right? And if you're lucky enough to have one of these that have the two uh, lenses on it, most people don't, don't think about using that for panoramic. There's, you can switch over to the other lens for, you know, like Grand Canyon, you want to get a little further, uh, closer, I should say. So anyway, let's watch this process. So I'm going to hit the button. We're going to get going. Up. Over. Says slow. Oh, that's right. I'll go slow. Now, the reason I said to look at your palms is because there's a point where you can continue to rotate or just go down behind you. And remember I said you can go the other way and it stops it? So instead of trying to find how to hit that button, it's there, so. It's very useful for, well, something like this or a church or something where you wanna see what's in front of you, um, above you and behind you. The other thing is fun is like, you can put somebody in front of you, somebody behind you and see them both in the same picture. And then the other thing is fun, it's a little bit of a storytelling. So what do I mean by storytelling? This is the last bit. You get up close to something like, say, a margarita glass or something, and then there's palm trees around. You do that, up, and over, and you can see a beach, and a, and a, and a glass, and then a palm tree. So try it, try it, play around with it. And if you have any questions, come on by. If you don't see me taking pictures, I'll, I'll demo it with you, okay? Thank you very much.
Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.